Hey, welcome to Educate for Life with Ryan Francis. Let's get right into it. Absolutely. And I think that kind of leads us to the next concept of observation. Sure. We had talked about, right? So I'm kind of jumping ahead for you, but but you mentioned this, and that is that all of us have the opportunity to become aware of what we're thinking. Every single one of us. And that is that's where this whole process starts. Like that is emotions 101 is just become aware what you feel, why you feel it. What are you thinking? What is causing that thought? If you do nothing else with your life and just do that, you will learn so much about you and the way you see and experience the world that anything after that will be a very natural process. So, okay. There is a lot to chew on there. (laughs) Let's see if we can't break that into a couple of pieces because this is so critical to everything that you and I do as coaches that the core of everything is awareness. That's the absolute core. But there are some things that are required. Well, required is a strong word that greatly benefit our capacity for awareness. And so I think it it might be cool to break down some of how we develop that awareness yeah. Um, whether it's techniques that you use or or ideas or whatever else. So so like in your practice, for example, yeah. how do you help people develop awareness? Well, so there's there's many ways to of kind of approach it. <laughs> of course. <laughs> the not simple answer is um so one of the, the the quickest ways for anyone if this is something you struggle with. So we're trying to get awareness around what we're feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's the easiest thing. The thoughts are a little harder because they're behind the emotion. So you go towards the emotion and the way people either experience the emotion, like a physical experience in their body, like worry or anxiety, or they experience habits that they can observe of themselves that, that, um, that sort of suppress the emotion. Mm-hmm. So somebody who might be a chronic eater, you know, maybe you've got a, a slight eating problem or just even eating, binging in small scales. I'm not talking about major eating disorders. Mm. Or you spend, you're an impulse buyer. Oh, I'm just not good with money and you impulse buy. Those are signs that there's an emotion triggering the action. If you're doing it consistently, if you're noticing, oh, wow, I'm always find myself at Target on a Friday night spending all this money. What's going on, right? Mm-hmm. There's, you look for what's, what's leading you, what emotion you're avoiding with that. Or you look for I'm, how you're feeling, any moment you can ask yourself, literally any moment, what am I feeling right now? And if your answer is, I don't know, it's because you haven't developed the practice of becoming aware of your emotions. Sometimes it might be, I'm bored, I'm okay, I'm meh, whatever it is. But learning, just ask yourself regularly, what am I feeling is a great start. And you can certainly start in a moment where you're feeling a strong emotion like anger mm-hmm. or um or joy. You can ask, what am I feeling? Well, I'm feeling really happy. This is great. That Just acknowledging that you are making a connection in your a cerebral connection between what am I feeling? Oh yeah. And here's my body. This is what my body's experiencing. That's where you begin. Yeah. I think um, that's really developing what Wayne Dyer called the observer. I don't know if he originated that, but he's the first person that I heard say that. Um, this idea that there is a part of our mind, a part of our brain um, that is capable of observing what is happening to us. It can observe our thoughts, kind of metacognition. It can observe our thoughts. It can observe our emotional state. 
Um, and I know that when I developed the observer, I was able to have emotion and watch myself having the emotion at the same time. Uh, and that really did take conscious practice. And once I could observe my emotion, that's when I started being able to do things like laugh and cry at the same time, um, mm -hmm. where I'd be really upset. And being really upset, I started to be able to uh, kind of be amused while watching myself be upset. And so I had this period of my life where I would start to get overwhelmed by emotion. And then I'd laugh. And I have a friend of mine look at me like, why are you laughing? I'm like, because I just find it so amusing how emotional I can get. <laughs> um, yeah. and, and so I think to your point about, you know, in any given moment of the day, I know people who set alarms. And then when they're like, you know, their Apple Watch or their phone alarm or their whatever else goes off, they're responsible in that moment for checking in with their, their emotions or their thoughts. Um, I, I have clients write in a journal, like just carry a journal around with them for a couple weeks and just whenever they notice a strong thought, which usually is accompanied by a strong emotion, that's the emotion that triggers them to know they had a strong thought. They just write the thought down exactly as it, as they understand it in their head and just in the breaths. That's the way I learned to do it, um, from, from one of my teachers, um, and that was such a powerful experience to notice, wait, if I write down the thought, these thoughts, any strong thoughts that occur, then I might notice that, oh, some of these thoughts reoccur, or, oh, there's a theme here to these thoughts. Um, there's the theme of victimhood or a theme of judgment, which, by the way, is really victimhood, but we can talk about that some other time. Um, so developing that kind of observer capacity, uh, something that I've heard you called centeredness before, you know, where yeah. you're able to kind of be in the center, the eye of the storm, be in the center of your, your emotional state, I think is so, so very powerful. And it goes back to what you said about um, your emotions running you versus you running your emotions. There's, there's a phrase that you said, and I'm going to try not to butcher it here. I'm actually pulling out my notes to make sure that I, I get it as close to right as I possibly can. <clears throat> uh, there's a tendency for people to fear and therefore avoid their emotions. This is my slight rephrase of what you said. And often in so doing, their emotions end up running the show. And so something that you said you do that's an active part of your practice is you help women manage their emotions, not suppress or deny them. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So it is. Fear is um, so powerful and it takes many forms. It's got lots of personalities that show up in our emotional life. And so what happens is when we're afraid, um, it, it's kind of, I call it a mask, like it's a mask emotion for many other things underneath it. Um, and so, so it's, but it's, it's one that you can easily grab a hold of. And uh, fear often when we feel fear about something, and I'm not talking about like, oh, I'm scared of heights. Fear, let me give some practical examples, is um, fear of making a wrong choice, overwhelm. Like, oh, I've got all these choices. I'm indecisive. I can't decide. That's a fear. That's a fear of making a wrong choice, right? That's a fear yeah. of making a mistake and, and regret. And there's other emotions that are hiding behind that column of fear. And so what we often do is when we feel the fear, for example, with overwhelm, we might just, we just don't choose. We shut down. We shut down. I don't, that feels uncomfortable. I want to get away from that discomfort. So I'm not going, I'm just going to move away from it. And that's where we start getting into like the buffering with food or 
alcohol or shopping. And so learning to manage your emotions without suppressing them, escaping them, or denying that they exist, it means that you, again, are completely empowered. Your emotions are not running you. You are allowing them to be. And learning to allow every emotion that comes to you is the most liberating experience you can have because, again, your emotions don't own you. You own them. And you allow, they, they leave so much quicker when you just allow. And so learning to do that is a process. But it's the most, if you invest in one thing in your life, learning to allow emotions is the best investment you can make because then you are truly empowered. Again, I'm getting back to that. You truly have the power to live a life that's rich. Yeah, so something you said, uh, again, is uh, the, whoever controls your emotions controls your life, so it may as well be you. Yes. I just thought that was so fantastic. Um, really, for me, for those who are a little more logical in nature and perhaps um, have an experience of struggle with their emotions, I think it's important to know that emotions are data. Emotions point to un... Uh, un essentially thoughts that we're not aware of. Yeah. It, it, it points to um, automatic occurrences, patterns in the brain, in, in our choices. It, force, it, it, quote, forces certain choices because it develops these shoulds and these have-tos if we're unaware of, of what that data is trying to point to. Um, and so, for example if we've been told that anger is bad and we get angry instead of tracing it back to the threat, because anger is usually a response to a threat. If we don't take the time to trace that anger back to the thought, this person's trying to get me to then trace back to the thought, Oh my gosh, I've had a bunch of negative experiences in these types of circumstances. They then trace back the thought that I was told that everyone in the world is out to get me by my parents and it's a harsh world and that's how it's going to be. <gasps> Holy crap. If you did not take the time to process that data of the anger, because I'm not supposed to be angry, which then by the way, is going to make you explode in anger more often, but let's not worry about that right now. Um, it's unavoidable that that your emotions are a physiological process. They are there for a reason. They 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 are a survival mechanism built into us as human animals, and so by not acknowledging them we are actually limiting our capacity to successfully respond to the circumstances that we're in. So this is why I think it's so fun to talk about like Kelly McGonigal's book, The Willpower Instinct. You know, there's a difference between a saber-toothed tiger and a piece of cheesecake. But our brain, if we're, on a, if we're trying to diet, sees them as the same thing. But the fact is, when we then suppress the emotion that we are having when we look at the cheesecake as if it's a saber-toothed tiger, it actually leads us to be more likely to take the harmful action of eating the cheesecake. Whereas if we actually just experienced our emotion and let it pass and like, oh, okay, there's this, there's that, or there's threat, or there's this thought or whatever else, that is exactly as you said, what brings that sense of empowerment. So the more that we do to develop that observer, the more we're gonna be capable on the fly in any given moment of going, wow, I'm having a strong reaction right now. 
Am I going to choose to like open the gate and let this anger out verbally? Am I going to take some time to be introspective and process this? Because we shouldn't totally eliminate our automatic reactions. They are there for a reason. You know, maybe the thing that that person needs to hear is your angry retort. Maybe that will improve the relationship. And you've been suppressing that for so long. And that was what I learned in the classroom. You know, I was suppressing my anger and the kids need to understand that they were pushing my buttons. And, you know, I got fun stories about that but that's not if you can listen to i think i've talked about that in a past podcast i I wish i could remember which episode but happy to talk about it again but yeah anyway the the point is that the breadth of the human experience is the tale of our evolution so just cutting it off and denying it is not actually in our best interest and so in here, going back to something you said about, um, and it's going to tie this in, maybe hopefully will help your audience get this a little easier. Um, you mentioned emotions are data points, and that's completely true. And the way I, I phrase it with the women I work with is that they are signs, they're signposts, they're direction guides. And they always, when you have an emotion, especially if it's one that's not serving you, which is another discussion, yeah. an emotion that's not serving you then that is the sign. The sign always points one place and that is to go in always, every time. And the reason is this, because in order to understand, you've got to connect with yourself and the parts that are painful and hard and hurt and have shame, you have to connect to those parts of your being because you will never, if, if this is the number one rule of relationships, you will never experience true connection with another human until you are connected to yourself. So the connection you desire with your husband, with your mother, with your best friend, with your children, it will not happen until you connect to you. I was throwing up so many fire emojis and stuff just then. <laughs> like, don't yell, don't start hooting into the mic. Just, just, just listen, just listen. That was all the clap emojis and all the fire emojis and all the hundred emojis just flying everywhere. Because <laughs> um, that's the truth of, yeah. of intimacy is vulnerability. Intimacy yeah. is not built without vulnerability. And vulnerability is the core process of openness, awareness, et cetera, et cetera, of being present. Um, and to be clear, there are those who take vulnerability to an extreme and that actually isn't intimacy. Um, and I'm sure we could do a whole hour and a half <laughs> just on understanding the connection between intimacy and vulnerability. Actually, I, I'm really looking forward to us doing that round table, yes. uh, talking about sexual intimacy and understanding, uh, again, that these same principles are going to show up in that conversation, but to not, to not go down that rabbit hole. (laughs) Um, I think it is so very critical to develop that relationship with ourselves. Um, And I, cause I think to, to next to up level, you know, uh, someone's experience with what you're saying, when we develop that relationship with ourself, it will improve our intimate relationships. So we can be in the period of discovery of ourselves while building some of these relationships. It's not that, again, we have to somehow master this connection with ourselves. We don't have to be someone who deeply knows themselves in order to develop positive, healthy, um, intimate relationships. And by intimate, I don't mean sexually intimate. I mean any form of positive, vulnerable connection um, that 
it is only improved as we know and understand ourselves more and more. And in fact, some people learn best in relationship. And so they need to engage in this process of developing healthy internal dialogue, healthy uh, reactions and under developing their awareness. It doesn't have to be perfectly healthy. It just has to be on the road to health. Um, and then having the, so again, going back to marriages and things like that, some of the, some of the most powerful lessons I've ever learned were in, in relationship. Um, the ways that I grew most because I had someone there reflecting my thoughts back to me because of my own reactions and so on and so forth. So that whole psychodrama, as they say, <laughs> um, played out in that way that I wouldn't have gotten simply from introspection. There's some lessons you have to learn out in the world. You can theorize all you want, but until you're confronted by your own reaction to things, it just, it's just not the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, experience is the best teacher and awareness is what changes lives awareness of yourself and awareness of others absolutely next time on educate for life with ryan francis i'd like to bring this back around to relationships specifically and this is both relationship with self and relationship with with others something that something else you said to me when we were kind of (laughs) pre-chatting about (laughs) this was it so often when you're interacting with your clients um, you find yourself relaying this idea to them um, of you don't know how amazing you are. And I think it's important to kind of cue on this specifically because we've talked a lot about processing <laughs> our <laughs> uncomfortable and negative experience. <laughs> and that can once again lead to so many shoulds and self-judgment and everything else, where then people get so clouded around their own value because they're so busy editing themselves in the journey of trying to improve themselves that they actually cease improving, which is a fascinating conversation I was having with a woman last night. Uh, at, of all things, a a business event, but you know, I can't help myself. Um, So I would love to know what it is about self-work that is so critical to your practice. Hey again, thanks for listening. If you want more goodness, come hang out with me on Instagram at educate four underscore life. That's educate the number four underscore life. I jump on almost every day and go live once per week to answer questions and just talk about what's on my mind. We've got some cool stuff coming down the pipe, so expect some announcements in the near future. And with that, I hope you have a great week. Talk with you soon.